Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning, folks. Uh, nice to be back again with you once more. Um, you may hear some Evangeline gurgles and noises every now and again. She's eating her breakfast next to me, but um, I think she'll be okay, uh, just to give you a heads up. So we're, we're in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 still, and we're just in the, these last, the, the last thing to focus on in this section that we've been on in the last few days on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 9 to 12. So still in these verses but there's just one more thing to draw out um, from it and it's really very much in line with the things we have looked at in the last few days. Um, so I'm going to read the, those verses once more and then we'll unpack it. So 1 Thessalonians 4 9 to 12 says, now concerning brotherly love you have no need for anyone to write for you, uh, to, to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more and aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs and work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And that last verse is what we're really going to focus on this morning, that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. You know, when we think about walking before outsiders, that the image there is that we're walking in view of them. How do we look to them? So this is really about when people look at us as Christians, what do they look at? What do they see uh, that marks our life? And what we have to remember that in this discussion about how do we look to those on the outside? Um, this is part of a conversation. This flows from the discussion that we had the other day about work and our, and our view of work, our theology of work. And that itself flows from a discussion on brotherly love and caring for one another, loving one another. So if you like, this is a stream in a stream, in a stream. So we're starting with brotherly love, loving one another, caring for one another, building each other up. And that flows into the way that we think about work. And then that flows into how we think about being dependent on one another and looking before outsiders. So let's just bear that stream in mind. Now, this verse addresses two dimensions. The first dimension it addresses is how we look to the outside that you may walk properly before outsiders. So how do people outside of the church see us? And what do they think about us? The second uh, dimension to it is about how we are treating our brothers and sisters within the church. So imagine that there was no outsiders looking at us uh, and no outsiders judging us and thinking about what we're doing. Well, it's still not right to just be a burden to our brothers and sisters. So it's about both how we look to outside the church and how we uh, treat and love and are not dependent on those inside the church. And as I say, this is in the context of work. Now, it is an important thing to note. This is not talking about people who, well, like many people in the current uh, economy with the pandemic, who want to work, 
but can't find work. It's not addressing them. And you're not to feel if, if, if you are watching this and that's your situation, you're not to feel condemned by this. It's addressing those who can work, who are capable of work, who can have a job and instead don't. And how do they look um, to outsiders and how are they uh, treating their brothers and sisters? Now, it's interesting to note, I suppose I should um, say at the beginning, what does that say about the life of the church that that when Paul is saying this, he's assuming that the people who didn't have an income were being supported by the church? That itself gives a very interesting dimension to it, that there's this expectation that the church, before they think about outside the walls, always care for their own. There should be no one in a, in a body that doesn't have um, food. No one doesn't have clothes on the back. The church supports their own. But we'll talk about that in a minute. On the first dimension, let's, let's think about that first dimension. How do we appear to outsiders? And, and bear in mind that Paul is saying, work, do your thing, mind your own affairs, so that you walk properly before outsiders. In other words, Christians shouldn't be seen as um, those lazy, uh, scrounging uh, people who have some funny beliefs. Because actually that's not consistent with what we ourselves do believe. It's like I said the other day, the Bible gives us a thoroughgoing theology of labour and work that we're supposed to be using our hands. So that's what we're made for, that we are getting involved in stuff. And so to be lazy is, it is not fitting with our calling. You know, you think about that proverb, Proverbs 8, go to the ant, you sluggard, see how it works. And uh, my, my favourite uh, theologian, Herman Barving, has an excellent discussion on this, on the sin of laziness. And, and he makes this point that really at the heart of laziness is the statement that I am better than everyone else. Because you can only be lazy so long as everyone else is there to do things for you. So what you're saying is, I don't need to work, they do. And so really the heart of laziness is I'm better than everyone else. And that falls short of the Christian belief for obvious reasons. We see ourselves as sinners in need of God's grace. We see ourselves as people who want to respond to God's grace uh, with good deeds, who, who don't see ourselves as better than other people. We put this alongside our theology of labour and work and, and working the ground. It, it comes to this conclusion that we should be a people who are uh, marked by being hard workers. And in times in history where there's been a real uh, return to the Bible to form our worldview, this has been shown. So if you might have heard before of something called the Protestant work ethic. So in the Reformation, where before the Reformation, the Catholic Church had taught that uh, the only people who were called into their job were um, church churchmen. That was the only job that you had a calling for. And then in the Reformation, reformers like Martin Luther and John Calvin started to say, no, 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 glorify God in whatever job you find yourself in. If you're a farmer, farm to the glory of God. If you're a barber, cut hair to the glory of God. And this really transformed society in the way that Christians thought about work. And there was an economic boom because of this concept of the Protestant work ethic. We work to glorify God. And so it doesn't matter if I hate my boss. I love my heavenly boss, Christ, and I'm going to work for him. 
And that really should be something that marks us being hard workers. But there's also more fundamental things that we're saying, that we live consistently with our calling when we work in the for outsiders. So the Bible says creation is good. This world is not. Um, you know, when you pick up when you when you pick up um, something beautiful or when you see an amazing vista, you're not looking at it and going, no, this is despicable. We only want the spiritual. No, creation is good. God calls it good. It is good and beautiful and, and right to enjoy it. You know, the, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So if we're saying creation is good, this world is good, we want to be part of it. We're not being consistent if we're going, oh, I don't really need to be part of it. I, I don't really need to be involved. I don't need to contribute to society. I don't need to be you know, um, working in creation. Now, if we thought that um, matter is evil and we can't wait to escape this physical world, then it's very, it makes a lot of sense to say, I don't want to have a job. I don't want to be involved in that stuff. That's just a waste of my time. But we don't. And so we want to live consistently. We want the outsiders to see that what we say we believe matches up with what we do. In the same way, we say that we are stewards of this creation, that God has called us to tend it, that we're the ones awaiting the new creation. Well, if we say that to an outsider, that's who we think we are, and then they see us living a completely different way, what does that say about how consistent we are with what we say we believe? And so that's one dimension to it. We want to be consistent with what we say we believe, with how we act, so that when outsiders see us, they see that... Um, what we say and what we do are, are in harmony. But the other point is that we are dependent on no one, that we are, are looking out for our brothers and sisters in the church by not making them um, have to carry us. Now, as I say, the assumption here is that in the early church, when someone was uh, struggling, they could guarantee that the church was going to pick them up. Now, that in itself, is, I think, is a huge challenge to us. Because I don't think we think in that way today. Nowadays, we have a very different way of thinking about something like the government than they did. There was no such thing as, as government um, handouts or, uh, or welfare. There's no welfare system. And so to think about being supported by someone was it just didn't happen. But the Christians became, uh, became to realize that they could depend on the church. Now, obviously, that can be abused because and that's exactly what Paul's addressing they could say well I don't have a job I don't want a job I don't have a job and no one else is going to support me you have to but the challenge there is that we can know that the church has our backs and as the church it's our job to be challenging uh, challenging ourselves to think do we have everyone in the church's back but then the sorry I lost my train of thought so yeah that the, the challenge is um for us are we prepared to carry people but the challenge is for, also for us is, do we want to burden people unnecessarily? And I really think is that that's what Paul is making the point here. So there are these two dimensions which kind of finish off this conversation on brotherly love. The fact that we want to be consistent with what we say we believe to those looking in. And we want to care and be loving and not uh, burdening those who are our brothers and sisters within the body. And so I think that is a, a challenge for us as part of this call to live a godly life and to have brotherly love. So that kind of ties off this section on living a quiet life and uh, working. Um, so I'm going to bring us to a close with some prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, for revealing yourself to us in your word and giving us a challenge of what it means to live a godly life. Lord, we pray that we would be consistent with our calling, Lord, that we would um, that we would live in such a way that matches what we say we believe. Lord, we also pray that we would have a, an overflowing love and care for those inside the church, that we would not want to burden them. But Lord, equally, that, that us in the church would want to look out for those who might need our support. Just encourage us in this, we pray. Amen.